You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. It's your boy, Al Megan. Welcome to a brand new Comic Crusaders podcast. And today, we're talking some indie comics goodness. I am talking to the crowdfunding king of anthologies, apparently, here. All the way from Chi-Town. Jeez, should I say that 10 times fast? <laughs> Chi-Town. I mean, homie has got an annual, an annual anthology series called Crackle, right? And now he's got this dope new one out right now that has a huge amount of creators. I need to know how he built this. It's called Purple Eyes. It's going to be fire. Let me introduce this amazing creator, this writer, this big boss right here wearing his crown. The one, the only, Philip Myra. Where are you doing, kiddo? Doing great, Al. Brother, thank you for joining me. You really are the king of anthologies. I started looking it up, and you got this joint that you've been doing for the past couple of years. And people are like, yo, if you do an anthology, you need to mess with Phil, apparently. Shytown Phil. That's how they call you, Shytown Phil. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's awesome, bro. Uh, Thank you for doing what you do. I'm a big fan of anthologies myself. So, you know, you're talking to a man that this is right up his alley. This is what I enjoy to get a sneak peek of so many different creative talents. I can't wait to even listen to how you even built such an arsenal of, of a team here, if you will. You built the only squad that Cobra will be jealous. <laughs> right? So talk to me, Phil. I've been saying Chi-Town. Where is Chi-Town you from? Is that uh, is Chicago, was, Illinois, or? Yeah, for those that are in Chicago, I was in Old Town for a bit. Um, I was in one area in Old Town. I'm in another Old Town. What's Old Town? Uh, it's a little bit... It's a couple parts a little north of the city. It's east of where Cabrini Green used to be, you know, where we're Candyman, like the movie Candyman. Ah, yes, yes, thank you. But uh, for those that are those that are uh, Chicago locals, I I live near the what is colloquially locally called the Viagra Triangle, and it's <laughs> it's this little area of Chicago of the, of the city where it's like fancy restaurants. And it's usually the place where you see three times divorced guys with like very young women. Uh, <laughs> and it, that's just what it's called. Like everyone knows no. it. My, my grandparents even know it. Like it's just so. Like, meaning that in that area, if you sell Viagra pills on, on 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 the DL and some weed, you probably make a good, a good bunch of money that night. Yeah, that's like <laughs> <my grandma. laughs> Hey, single guy, you may not be able to score unless you got this. All right, you old f you. How dare you? Anyway. <laughs> Oh, okay. So, how was it growing up in in Shy Town, brother, in Old Town? Yeah. Uh, so, who introduced you into fandom? I always love this. Like, who introduced you? Who put your first comic or your TV show in front of your eyes or in your hands? What's popular? So, I we're bouncing around a couple of different origin stories, but yeah. So, I'm from originally Chicago South Suburbs. Um, so roughly around the Chicago area. And with most, I'm in my early 30s. So, same thing with most of my generations. We had the Spider-Man TV shows, X-Men TV shows, the cartoons, uh, the obviously Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies and cartoons, the tangential things like the Super Sentai Power The Spoiled Generation. They had everything. Oh, man. We had, yeah, every Saturday morning, everything was a banger. Everything was 
amazing. Uh, and then, uh, to tell you the truth, I'm a late bloomer. Like I'd never had that adult or even in the playground, no one like handed me comics for somebody, for oh, some really? reason. Yeah. Um, and so when like I got, you were a cartoon and toy kid growing up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I definitely had all the toys. Obviously in like DBZ was big. So I had all those, but I just never. And the thing is there are, there were a plethora of comic shops around us and that are still active today. I just, I just, never had that like I said adult in my life or it's just no one brought a comic book to the playground it's not no one that I was talking to for whatever reason how dare you you thought you were too cool for comics people I didn't comics. say that I <laughs> but, so uh flash forward high school and you know a lot of the movies are starting to come out you know Spider-Man Blade X-Men movies Sony's pumping out but so also the geeks start getting cool all of a sudden hey what do you know about yeah. this <laughs> well, the the more violent ones, so like um, you know, Sin City and 300 and stuff. So that's when I started like getting a little bit more into it. I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna read. I picked up some. My buddy had Sin City, so I borrowed that, and you know, that was like end of high school. And so high, I think yeah, it's that summer of high school going into freshman year of college. Uh, that same buddy had uh, the first trade of Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And at that point, that was summer. That October is when season one of on AMC started. So this was prior to like the big buzz. And I had, and you know, we we're at a party, and we we're gonna go to some street festival because there's like a lot of you know fun street things going on during the summertime. And I just kind of like went off into the other side of the room and just read it. Like I just kept reading it. He's and. We're at a party, fool. What are you doing? Yeah, I took like, a shitty guest. Like, I'm just sitting there ignoring everyone. I haven't seen like a year. Uh, and, yeah, I just got absorbed because it was, you know, like I'm used to that. Like, I was familiar enough with the storytelling, like the way comics are, um, like the words and pictures, and, like, sit down and actually look at the pictures. Don't, don't have your eyes bounce between from balloon to balloon. Like, actually look what's going on in the panels. And yeah, I was like, all right, well, you know, I really like this. And I, we had to leave before I finished it. So I went, went to the library and I got, you know, got that issue and I kept reading from there. And then I just did the usual thing of like going to Google and typing in like best comic books. And so I just, you know, dive like head first into the vertigos. Like I was reading Preacher and Hellblazer and all the fun stuff and Sandman, which was above my head. But uh, obviously, pre- preacher, preacher was pretty base level for me. Um, but just like the storytelling within that, like reading preacher and like reading like why the last man, like specifically like those two, yeah. why why in preacher, like the storytelling as far as a writer goes was like every issue seemed self-contained enough. Like they built it, they built them on top of each other, and you know it's like chapters, like part of an arc. But you can read, they were pretty succinct. Like they weren't trying to, yeah, it didn't feel like a story that was supposed to be 60 pages long and you just got in like these 20 page chunks. It was very deliberately done. Um, and well I didn't. Done. Yeah. Very yeah. Well done. And so obviously from there, then I'm like, um, you know, I was getting to whatever vertigos I can see. Like Shade of the Changing Man was huge too. Um oh, wow. 
And that's just a psychedelic romp. Like this is <laughs> Yeah, but it's so funny how you see Shade from when they came out from the Dick Go time up until you see what they did with Virgo. It's like, God damn, what a difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as, as psychedelic as Ditko was, like <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. Brad McCarthy and um You know what's crazy, yeah. right? Ditko didn't bring that uh craziness, I think, to Shade of Changing Man other than the concept, but it didn't have yeah. all that craziness of a Doctor Strange, for example, when he was working on that baby. Yeah, but it's just so I just kept diving deep. And then once, you know, once I got familiar enough with creators, like like I said, artists like Brandon McCarthy, if, if he was so doing something. Was he the first creator you kind of said, damn, yo, I love everything this person does. Was there any creator you felt that at the time? Yeah, uh, it was definitely Peter Milligan because he was doing a lot of small vertical yeah. stuff. Peter uh, Milligan writes, yeah. On t- I, and, I know people by their Twitter handle. <laughs> Grant Morrison, when they were do, they were just doing so much stuff with Vertigo, oh. and like roughly around the same time when I started getting really deep, is when DC finally uh, re-released. Uh, I can't remember Flex Mentalo. Oh yeah, first came came back out, and they're, they're for some reason they were begrudgingly reprinting it, and like it was for most people, it was an eye changer. Like, well, first. You know, uh, Frank Wiley's art is impeccable, and like there's actual paint, like inked pages in the back for the back matter, and they're <laughs> they're the most immaculate, no mistakes or erasers. Just like even the letterings on like his pages, it's just like jaw dropping. Yeah, yo, Flex Mentalo, yo, that that's a great shot. That is a, a dope book. Again, out there, especially if you're a Doom Patrol fan, you're gonna love the shit out of this boy. Yeah, it's a it is somewhat of a quick read. But I mean, I to me, it's essential. Just storytelling and just kind of like the craziness of comics. Like you look, you look at like one page, and Frank and Grant like fill that page with just different. I don't know, like superhero, like con like concepts, but like the, the characters are all dressed in different ways. And I'm guessing that they're harking to like these C rate DC characters because they're all you know some of like the those European creators, their their big thing was like revamping, you know, revamping the the hidden characters or characters yeah. that were in, you know, in the 1960s or 70s for like three issues and they were never used again. But yeah. man, yeah, and that just kept going. Deep. I mean, isn't that how we got the African American Batman? There was a character that was hardly used in the 70s. You saw showed him in a few panels, uh-huh. you know, and then next thing you know. Future state, he is Batman. <laughs> He's like, oh, wait a minute, what the hell's going on? So I love when comic book companies do that, though. When they use those old characters, two, three issues, who cares? They, yeah. they, they existed. Let's make it fun. Yeah, and, and it's usually the creators themselves have the initiative. It's like, hey, I want to play around with this, these group of characters, and they're, you know, most of the time the editors just shrug their shoulders. Like, I don't even remember that character. It's like, all right, well, that what can- the hell are you talking about? Go for it, whatever. <laughs> Right? And all of a sudden, it's like the biggest hit because they're like, holy shit, do you know what this was? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Doom Patrol was like that. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure. I think it was pretty buried and dead. I mean, yeah, Grant famously did uh, Animal Man. And that oh. was... Yeah, and that was just a meta-psychedelic type of bro, journey. But, as well. I mean, the Animal Man from the Virgo 90s and then even Animal Man New 52 was something that I Premier, think was so yeah. well done, yo. So well done. Animal Man is a character, man. When put in the right hands, holy shit, does he become so interesting? 
And it has like the silliest concept. Just like, <laughs> it does, but it's wild. Then at the end of the day, because then you know you find out through the new Fifty Two, you know the Animal Man is more of a representative of life. So think almost like a White Lantern, almost yeah. you know kind of feel to it. And then you got the Swamp Thing, which is part of that, but he's part of the uh, of the Green. But then we're talking about the one thing that destroys both life from the Green, the Rock. Which is that red? I mean, dude. I mean, what they did with the new video too, and presenting all that and those new mythos, and, and the way they connected Animal Man and Swamp Thing as part of this whole greater Earth thing, you know, that, with, with yeah. life and the green and the rock. Wild shit, bro. I love it. Yeah, I don't know. I just kept going more, and I was, you know, from there I get into you know the Fantagraphics, the drawing quarterlies, Oof. and then you expand more out. Like I said, the Dragon Ball Z was a huge thing. Toonami was big for me growing up. So then I go, you know, you go into manga, and you go into what was your first manga? Uh, I'm trying to think. It was probably like I had, I had Shonen Jump like okay. when they first started because I, I was young enough and I just said uh, when they first started friends. look at this guy Jesus Christ tell me you still yeah. kept them yeah it was it was I remember getting like had to get that by mail so yeah getting those shonen jumps and like it's crazy wow. thinking in the back um because I just knew DBZ was in it um but like yeah I mean well the first shonen jumps in America so uh those had like DBZ I remember it had I forgot how to pronounce it, like Hikari no Go. And that was the series before, or no, but maybe it's just the main artist. The main artist ended up, after that, ended up doing Death Note. And it was crazy just thinking that that was a board game, (laughs) a board game manga that I actually enjoyed reading, which I had no idea how to play the board game. And then the dude does Death Note, which is obviously everyone's favorite. (laughs) Oh well, yeah, my daughter has me has had me buying her the black editions. Yeah, the bulky ones. That's that's yeah. how I read them. That's what she wanted to me. Anytime we go to Barnes and Noble, all right, I need the next one. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, these things ain't cheap. <laughs> but you know what? As I perused through them, I said, shit, ad free? Fuck yeah, bro. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm all about this ad free, non disturbed reading. Yes, please bring it my way. Yeah, and then I just keep going. You know, nothing. I mean, I started gravitating, my reading habits start drifting from like 10% comics, 90% prose, novels and stuff. And then I get to like 50-50. And then now it's like the majority of what I read is comics um, versus, you know, any type of prose. And, you know, there was a part where uh, roughly around, you know, seven or eight years of, of reading comics and just really enjoying it. Um, I kind of had this, like, all right, well, let, maybe, you know, I, I don't have any writing background type of thing, but I've, I've, you know, in high school and college, I've had to take different creative, creative writing courses, but like, all right, let me try to write a script and just see what happens. Um, and so at that point I was super lucky. There was plenty of professional scripts available. I think comics experience has a, repository for people to look at that are professional scripts. Comics experience is boss. Let me tell you, man, a lot of people that have come through my podcast have come through comics experience. And I love how they talk about them because it's like, yeah, these people kind of set me with some guidelines and, you know, I I learned. So it's like no one is telling me they have not learned from comics experience, which is great. 
Yeah, and like ten tangentially, that's how I got it. Because like I wasn't, I never did any of their courses. I just they have these resources on their website for free. You don't have to log in or anything. So isn't that amazing? They support you nonetheless. Yeah. Like you don't have to believe in us. Here's the resources. If it proof of concept almost, right? Yeah, because I would. I mean, tell you the truth. If I didn't have that, then I would be very further along. Like I developed quicker as a comic book uh, scriptwriter based off of the resources that they wow. just have. Because if not, like I, I always think about this too, is the skills like create. I mean, I'm gonna go a little bit more into like my creating comics journey, but if I was trying to create comics maybe a decade beforehand, if I was starting to do one in the mid 2000s, okay. then I'd be, it'd be worse. Like it'd be, it'd be more, I would say feral. Like it'd just be more me in the woods trying All to right. figure out how, how to survive and make fire. Cause looking like stick from Daredevil, right? Oh man, where am I going? Hold on. <laughs> Don't mess with me. I know what I'm doing. I just need to know where to go. Yeah. Cause like you go to a comic shop and every once in a while there's, there might be a script in, in a trade or something like that. Or like there might be a script somewhere, but then you'd have to like ask the, you know, ask someone at customer service, ask them like where, you know, which ones have this, you know, before like the internet became pretty big. Uh, but yeah, it's the same thing with finding artists. If I had a, if I had to start off in like the mid 2000 trying to find artists to collaborate with, um, you know, I would be, I'd be at a horrible disadvantage. I'd have to be the same thing. I'd go to my comic shop and say, do you want, do you know any pencilers? Bulletin board. Let me get, can I put this up on the bulletin board, please? <laughs> yeah. It's like, like bands back in the day too. Yeah. I hear you, but isn't that crazy? So how did you learn to navigate finding artists for your project? Cause you know, you, you are, you're coming off as a fan that decided yeah. to just jump into the world of, uh, of creation so how did you even, you know, besides us, you know, looking up at those boards for comic experience, like how did you navigate and even learn how to gauge artists for what you wanted? Yeah, my initial baby steps. So I, I ended up spending two months to to write that script. And I knew well, reading, reading like how to like write comic scripts, everyone, every bit of advice that I saw specifically said, do not work on your 30 issue magnum opus do <laughs> do uh you know at max you know a 10 page story and so i end up doing a five page story because i figured beat wise you can do one page beginning three pages of middle and like one page conclusion type of thing okay so uh i end up writing a script based off an idea or just like a premise of like uh, a young mother goes to visit her, her parents for Christmas and it's Christmas Eve. And the father asks the daughter, like, where's your husband? And the daughter says, I don't know. And so I, that was my initial, I mean, I explored what actually happens next. So I wrote that script. And as far as finding collaborators go, it was around October when, when I completed the script. And at that point, uh, Inktober was still a, a very, very used like a hot thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was just getting, you know, I was naturally just always my, on social media. I was just following so many artists that, you know, I was able to peruse the, the hashtag and I found Hannah Wenzel from Germany and she had an illustration. Um, and I really liked the, the art. 
and I saw that she had some previous comic work. And so I asked her if okay. she'd be interested in doing in collaborating with the story. Like, here's the script. Like, let me know if you know, A, if you like the script, and then we can talk from there. Um, and yeah, we ended up working on that. This around the same time I did another script of uh, my second script was someone dealing with cancer, probably not in the best mm-hmm. mental and emotional state. And I ended up collaborating with Kisher Mohan and Aditya Bidikar did the letters for that. And it's just, yeah, those were the first two scripts that I wrote. And I just kept writing from there, but it's just crazy to think back. Like Hannah, uh, Hannah didn't really like, like I said, she had, she had some comics experience, but she really didn't like, she didn't like it. She like kind of was just an illustration artist. And now she's, she has since the four years since we've collaborated, she has two huge books in the German market for comics. Oh, and there's a third one coming out. Kishore, Kishore, uh, he's done really good stuff. He's collaborated with Ram V. You know, Ram V. That's now writing Batman. Yeah, and, the Mighty Ram, as you go <laughs> by on Twitter. Yeah. And Aditya Bidikar has basically wins every letter award every single year between Eisner's and and Ringo's and stuff. It's just crazy. Those are my first experiences uh wow. the best i chose i chose wisely and, and um, that wasn't on purpose it just happened to be right yeah we we're just all in that well mostly them they were all the creators that i was talking to were in this like pre-burst stage like right before their career started like not i didn't assist in that i got i got I was I know, man, you, you met them when they when when mama was carrying on them already for nine months that's when you met them and then they came out you're like holy shit what's up guys welcome to the world i'm like glad to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's like trusting your collaborators so even early on like if there's any newer if there's any newer uh creators out there always trust your collaborators like i i always gave i still do this too like whenever our I collaborate, I always have a completed script because then we can discuss what works, what doesn't work. And I'm not, I'm not wasting like the artist's time to say, Hey, I'm still writing the script. And then, you know, like a month later, I might still be writing the script. At least I have the script ready and we can talk about what doesn't work and what does work. And then we can start doing revisions. Cause then we, then, you know, you know, artists are very, have very tight schedules and they're scheduling multiple projects yeah. You know, even if it's even if it's colorist and especially letterers, um, as long as I have my part, my initial part, I should say, good to go, and then then we can go off to the race and start doing the fun part of you know actually creating creating the story for people to read. Woo! And let's talk about creating because right yep. now you got this live Kickstarter that has fifteen days to go. Fifteen, right? yeah. I mean, you got one hundred and fifty nine backers. You need 18 racks. You've got <laughs> 5,600, approaching 5,700, $3 away. Come on. At least get us to those $3 right now so that way we could have an even number, folks. Um, <laughs> but, yo, talk about Purple Eyes because this is killing me. You're like, you're talking about what would you do with only 73 minutes to live? You have 33 creators that invite you to a world where 73, 73 minutes before you die, your eyes turn purple? I mean, yeah, don't, don't scare me, man, because sometimes I probably smoke so much weed it does turn purple. Uh, <laughs> so talk, talk to me. What is Purple Eyes, this whole concept, 
And geez, 33 creators talk about even handling that amount of talent to create one project. Yeah. So as you kind of mentioned, I've, I've, I've had an annual series called Crackle. And so after uh, the third Crackle completed, one of the stories that I wrote within it was the original Purpleized story. And some of those preview pages oh, are on the Kickstarter page. And Sean Dicker did the, did the art. Justin Birch, Ringo nominated Justin Birch, um, did the letters. And, yeah, it was just a wonderful experience. And I should also mention, like, whenever I write short stories, like, sh- my short stories always have a beginning, middle, and end. Like, I never have anything on on cliffhangers. Like, I want the reader to feel like they got a completed story. Nice. So when we wrote, when we completed that initial Purple Eye story, those characters, uh, you know, their their story ended. So, but that initial premise of, like, in this world, 73 minutes before you die, your eyes turn purple, and it's 100% accurate. It happens for every single person, and um, there's absolutely nothing Wait, to do. And, and this is just, like, a timestamp that Earth gives you or something? It's, it's kind of a way to say, like, this weird, this really weird thing happened, and now people are trying to quantify it and try to find reason within it. So like one of my big, uh, like one of my favorite stories is the leftovers, the TV series. I never read the book and that had a similar premise where 2% of the, of the world population disappeared. And so during those three seasons, they explored. Hopefully it was, it was 2% of the assholes anyway. (laughs) It was was like a random selection, even like, Ah, like that means good people left. Well, yeah, it's kind of funny because like there's there are some like quote unquote assholes in the world that like fake that they got disappeared, but then they find them like in Cancun hanging out. <laughs> they just want to like they can get get away. But yeah, I just love that premise of That's this funny. super strange thing happens, and then you know people being people try to find either spiritual answers to it, log- like scientific answers to it. Hence why trying to quantify it um, into seventy three minutes. Uh, but yeah, so for this, this was a larger scale anthology, and I ended up getting 185 pitches. What? And, yeah, it was it was a lot. Whoa, <laughs> bro! How did you handle that? I mean, because your goal is to find 33 creators. Is it is that half and half writer artist or 33 team? Well, it's a it's a mix. So like, I I initially wanted just 12 stories to be within this book, okay. but then getting all those pitches and seeing all the variety of ideas of creators creators like with their pitches and their creative arts like the art the art portfolios there's just too many brilliant ideas and like like it's a highly talented artist that expanded from 12 to 18 so this new book this book has 18 um and i didn't for me i didn't what you know was commonly like said is like i didn't play matchmaker like i asked for all creative teams to be established when you pitched so there was um, you know, there was, uh, I'd say like a third of them are what I would call like true cartoonists. So people that do all like the, the people that most of us envy that can write really well and draw really well and do lettering and coloring like astronomically. So there's a few of those. Um, and there's some that have all four. So writer, writer's a person, artist is a person, letter is a person, colorist is a separate person. Um, but yeah, just like, 
looking at all the creative teams and it sucks because I say no to a lot of my friends. Like it was uh, purely based off the art and the pitch. Well, um, well, well your friends is talented though, at least just the other yeah. people had just a slightly little more edge, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't that's want them to feel part of her. Don't, don't you dare try to <laughs> leave, leave my boy Phil here, guys. He only did it for now, for now, for now. So we ended up getting, like I said, 33 of us creators, uh, 18 stories. All of it's, a, it's a, I tried, the reason is because there was a good mix and balance of themes. Like there's, there's a boxing story, there's a medical drama, uh, there's three different, there's three different comedy ones. And the reason why they got in is because I laughed out loud when reading their pitches. Like they were legit funny. Um, uh, so once they made you feel good, they're like, all right, that's it. It's a wrap. <laughs> yeah, and there's you know there like some of them are gallows humor, some of them are just kind of funny. Um, and it's like on the other side, there's three revenge stories, and one of them's one of the humor ones, one of them's like an action movie revenge, and the other one's kind of like a petty revenge type of like almost rom com ish. Oh, so, yeah. it, oh, you made me spill my ice cream. I'll get you back. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like. It was just this wide variety of ideas, and within those pitches that I got accepted, they were pretty well-formed, like, completed ideas. And oh, I can no. see the shape of the way that the stories were going to be. And one of the key things that's very unique about this anthology is we're trying to, like, the all the creators are meeting about once once a week, once every other week, because people are all, all over the world. Um, we're meeting on Zoom, and we're finding methods to link these stories together, both narratively and visually, because there's so many different art styles. So like visually we're, we're coming up with like character models and like uh, ways that we can visually tell, like so we have like a character that'll bounce between several different stories. Then you have to like figure out like, all right, well, what's their key item? Like, are they have like a really badass jacket? Do they have like a unique hairstyle? Like something that can be easily recognizable um, that someone can see. So they have and, a big white goatee. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and then, like, same thing with narratively. We're just trying to, like, all right, well, the sibling, like, the character in story three, that main character is the sibling of story 12. And, like, oh. they have another, like, another, their cousins, like, the story of seven, like, things of that nature. And it really, it doesn't, I, I shouldn't, so this sounds like kind of hubris, but it doesn't really take that much effort. I mean, it takes effort and it just, I think it's just more of a communication thing. So hence why the zoom meetings and always communicating through email, it's just this, these little ways we can make this experience best for the reader. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, it, and the idea that we have is that, so at the very end, like the back, the back cover of the trade, because this is going to be a bulky book. This is going to be 140 pages. Woo! 140 pages, man! What? Yeah. I miss those days, my brother. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, a book. so at the very end, Jack Foster is doing the cover, and I know you can't see it here. Jack's, we're going to do a cover reveal in the next couple days. Uh, oh. Lucifer Trump cover reveal. Reveal reveal and he's a fantastic traditional artist like pen and paper uh or ink on paper but he's amazing with watercolors 
Um, and what's up with this image here? Because is, is purple the only color we're going to be seeing? So that's a good point. So this was the original Purple Eye story. And Sean Dicker and I felt that, that the best, best visually to represent that story was to have this, like, like I told you in the beginning, Sin City was like one of my entry points, to have like that Sin City limited color palette kind of pop type of thing. But this is a full color. It'll be full color with all with Ooh. all the other creative teams. Like to my knowledge, no one's expressed to me that they want to pursue this type of limited color palette storytelling device. And, and if you go like, you can eventually go down to all the meet the creator section, but I'd be very remiss if some of the phenomenal colorists that are on this project only get to play around with this, you know, little color. (laughs) And it's these people that can just do amazing. I need a colorist, but all you're going to do is color purple. All right. Yeah. Oprah, don't be getting mad now. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, It's beautiful, though. I mean, I always want to point something out because, Johnny, I know you get mad at me. I love multiple panels. So, you look at you, you got like five, six panels on this one page. It's gorgeous, bro. And then the different sizes, the lettering and all. I mean, you built a team that respects the art and, and you know, such a appealing to the eye, if you will. Eye movement. Yeah. I'm digging it, bro. Yeah, like I said, a lot of the people, they're they're true artists. And, and one of the things that I'm always proud about is, like I said, this is my fourth anthology. I'm always... Fourth? Yeah, fourth. Give him the crown, folks. He's <laughs> yeah. the king of Kickstarter anthologies. I'm trying to tell you, yo. It's the fourth. Yeah, I mean, it feels nice, like it's done with one... Yeah, I mean, my last anthology Kickstarter, I sent out the books in January, and I started having pitch submissions for this in February. Like I'm Jesus just, Christ, yo. What is it about have... you in anthologies, Phil? I just like, I love the short story. Like I, I like the variety. Um, and one thing, and the key thing that, uh, you know, that I do in this book, in this anthology, like I've done with all my own other anthologies, I like the randomness. Like I like going into the stories cold. So like, you know, you read anthology and you, you finish like the first couple stories and then you get to like the next story, you turn the page and you see like the, you know, the art credit and you know, you don't know what the next story, you know, you don't know what the story is going to be. You turn the page, you see the new art and you start reading the page. You kind of like, you get a feel like, all right, is this going to be a comedy? Is it going to be a you know, drama? Is this going to be action-y? Like you, you, you as the reader discover, like you, it's as cold opening as you can get. And I really like that. That's, that's why I didn't limit the genre for this. I, I had it as open as possible. So the reader can get that experience of like, you know, when the twists happen, they're not like gotcha M. Night Shyamalan twists. Like there's they're like, <laughs> like legit twists. And um, like I said, some of, those, some of those twists are the punchline of a joke. And some of the twists are like, oh, shit, I didn't see that coming. But that kind of made sense. That was like on page one, kind of. There's like things of that nature. So what's this right here? Because I, I highlighted that. What are oh, the yeah, cards and custom commission add-ons? What's that? So, yeah, I, I got a sandwich of these left because these are the hot tickets. So one of the things that we thought would be unique because we have such, like I said, amazing artists and people from all over the world. So we have something what we call death cards. And we tried figuring out uh, a nice little cheap incentive. It's only 15 American dollars, 
uh, forward plus shipping. And it's like a index card size illustration of the Grim Reaper with a purple flower. And so I, we leave it up to the artist to interpret that. Like as long as those two components are there, like you can have, like I said, like have the Grim Reaper from like the adventures of Billy and Mandy. You can have like, like, like a plant like from Mario like you can do like pop culture mashups or you can oh do like Oh my god something. yo that Billy mentions the Billy and Mandy yo yes you may see these white hairs but I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm young at heart and I was watching the shit out that show too <laughs> so kudos on that one yo I yeah. dig it like I left it up to the artists cause, like <laughs> have fun with it it's a small commission and then the other, the other commissions that we have is um it was, I thought it was pretty brilliant. Roberto Dubuque's, who's known as Rad Pencils on all the social medias, he's like, all right, you know, we'll do the usual custom commissions of, you know, movie, TV character, comic character you want. Uh, but instead, you know, it'd be like regular size. You know, it's a decent sized commission piece. Okay. But the the caveat is that the only they'll do ink on paper, but they'll also color whatever character has purple in there. So like they said, like the green goblins, like the green goblins costume with the little, the, the burst of purple. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was like super neat. Cause even if, like I said, regardless, you know, the point of, to me, the point of like getting some of these perk add-ons is that you have an extra cool thing. Yeah. So we need the own version of a purple man then. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, if you have something, like, you put it on your fridge, you put it on your wall, and, like, two years later after this, you know, after this Kickstarter, you still have a cool thing that you can show people. Like, people are like, oh, what, what's yeah. that? Where, where'd that come from? Because it's, like I said, having your own character, like, having your favorite, you know, TV show character or comic book character with purple on there, that's, you know, you're going to, oh. like, oh, that's cool. Like, I, I can tell that person finished the drawing. Like, they My homie, I love them. that. That's what I do with my family because they always ask me because they're not into the culture like I am. I'm, you know, other than my brothers, when it comes to the rest of my family, whether, you know, blood or extended, yeah, we are the only ones, my brothers and I, that are all about this pop culture shit on this level. Yeah. So anytime I have something new, Phil, it's like, oh, what is that? Can you explain to me? So I said, all right. (laughs) So let me do my Omega mansplaining for a moment. Let's hear it. You know? Yeah. Hold on, sir. Sit down, grab a beer, let me explain. <laughs> and I love it. And mansplaining is not bad, folks, because believe you me, I've been I've been a I've been on the worst end of, of woman splaining too. So don't even try to say that y'all don't do the same. All right. It's anyway. just passion. That's all it is. It's passion, exactly. So I get woman splaining, mansplaining, you know, all types of splaining. Yeah. You don't you don't want to know, bro. This is why I have this. I have, I have to tolerate it. <laughs> anyway. But bro, I want to talk about this page. Look, sure. you know, it's 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 a purple book. But look at this heavy uses of green here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. So you got to scroll that. So these, I should say. So oh, Pablo. Yeah, that's, let me move I on. I got to bring some more dong into comics. <laughs> <laughs> so this is actually the story. Dong uh, so these are, okay. These are the sample pages from uh, Crackle. So this is actually Head Above Water that Kishore okay. Mohan and the Diddy Abitikar did. So, um, so, yeah, so these are some of the. Just part of the one of the tiers is that you can get 
I call it all the anthologies. So you can get what? The, three, the three previous Crackle anthologies as well as the new book. What? We can get everything? Oof. I, I, to me, I make it as as advantageous as possible. So it is, it's $45 to get all four anthologies, but it's basically uh, at a bargain, bro. Cause it's 250 pages of stories. Oh like that. my God, bro. That's a bargain. I mean, cause look at the beauty of this. One and it's one physical page. copy too. It's not like it's all digital. So that's what I'm saying. Look at the beauty of this one, pa- this page right here. You got 12 panels, Uber word bubbles, so beautifully placed that doesn't disrupt the art on any level. I mean, yo, yeah. gorgeous, gorgeous. And look at that. Like he said, Crackle Volume 1. Then we got more coming here. Again, look at the, the look at the art. Flag. Oh, my <laughs> homie, what? Yeah, you sure you're not from Queens? <laughs> Where by the low end theory, one of the greatest hip-hop albums ever. The best part is that that story's set in the year, I think, I think it's 2072. It's either 2072 or 2073. I can't remember. And it's still popping. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, what, what's gonna, like, what's gonna be like the best, like, something that ages over 50 years? I'm like, oh my God. But thank you. Thank you. This is just turned, I think I just got another great <laughs> hair out of nowhere, thanks to you. But again, look at the beauty of these pages. Again, even going throwback son i mean crazy and, and look at this the coloring panel usage like yo for real i mean here we yeah. have an, an african-american young man so you know can you tell me a little about a romance in the stone named after one of my favorite movies from back in the day too yeah i mean well that's the thing i, I like um eddie grant did a song for that soundtrack i really like that yeah. song <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why i named it i never watched the movie but I listen to that song what? please watch the movie boy you're gonna be like you know what it may sound like 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 not something that you would think but yeah it's a truly adventure film even though yeah. it's called romance in the stone really cool i think they, they did a great job with it and, and you know guilty pleasure for Albert. <laughs> <laughs> I dig it, man. And I need headphones like that, too. Look at homie. Ooh, look at it. Now, this looks so a tribe called Questish. Based <laughs> on that album cover. Whoa. Did, did, did they lose themselves in El Segundo? What happened? No. Uh, Lee, <laughs> Lee, Lee Dean did this. And in the script, I, I forget how I worded it. I just I said, like, a weird fantasy land. And he was just like... He brought the the color palette of like like yeah we'll just we'll do um like a southwest psychedelic oh, yeah. type of like color palette and you know yeah, showed man. me all like visually the the types of things that he was thinking of. I, I yeah for me for me bro just looking at this one page I feel like I took peyote. Well, you should also look like there's a floating, <laughs> there's a gigantic jellyfish that floats and changes colors. So that that was a, another what? fun part of the thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't don't fuck, well, well, peyote to the core, son. Where <laughs> yo, meal, son? What's going on here? I mean, look at homie. Somebody moving in. They need a two truck. Jeez. All right. I mean, like I said, that's what collaborating with true artists is. Like some of this is in the script. Some of it's in the initial thumbnails, but like every single stage of the creation process, you just build and you try to make it as most exciting <laughs> as possible for the, for the reader. Yeah. So here's I, all the, the amazing yeah. careers. I so wish I could get my cat to sleep in my head like that. That was funny. 
Well, that's so cute. You know, uh, uh, shout out to my kitty Autumn, the 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 comic crusading kitty. <laughs> then we got uh, CJ's uh, Salamander Castro Jr. Uh, Chris Mauro, you know, Devaki Yogi, Devison Mains, Galen Hakey. I hope it's I got so that right. Now. Like, look at those colors. Hilaria Fella, Wepa. Hell yeah, yo, murdering, murdering. Jack, so, yeah, Foster. Jack Foster, who's Oh, doing... shit, bro. Everybody, yo, don't, don't talk about it, but that's the Phantom in real life right there. So, that's <laughs> where that We got Jao Canola. Uh, Jimmy, uh, oh my god, how do you say his last name? I've met Jimmy, he's in the next state over. I can never pronounce his last name. (laughs) So, Jimmy K, (laughs) yeah, Justin Birch, Keaton Miller, Kevin Sharp, Kaya Aiko, uh, Leonio Moore, uh, Llewellyn Polanco. Yeah, I I love the hair, man. I love that wild ass hair. Uh, Liam Page Hill. Mario Candelaria, I know Mario. Bro, you need to stop eating Wendy's. I mean, Subway, you need to go to the cheapest spot. Everything's named after a blunt, but it's so good, those sandwiches. <laughs> Trust me, as good as any blunt can be. Now, nah. <laughs> well, Michael Myers, Nenat, wow. See, <laughs> Raymond Cheetah, Roberto, Roberto. Robin Davis, Scott Arnold, Shadia Amin, Sky Bergren. Bergren I hope I yeah. got that right. Steven Charles Rosia. Wepa, bro. Look, look at him side, bro. Look like Wolverine. <laughs> William McLaughlin and more. Let's talk about that budget so you guys know where your money is being spent. Yeah. I mean, I was, 49% I goes to the creative team. This is beautiful. 49% goes to the creative team. Yeah. Well, why that decision, Phil? So I should probably should have mentioned this way in the beginning, but one of the key things <laughs> about like running an anthology, if anyone's thinking about doing it, is to pay your artists a fair page rate. And one of the things when budgeting for this, like I said, I initially wanted 12 stories was to like, I'm not going to name names, but there were a few pitches like other anthologies with open pitch submissions that were charging $50 page rates and oh, wow. and I forget whatever I think it was like it was like fifty USD and there was another one that was doing fifty euros and that's that's predatory like no like I I'm very happy how to describe this I a lot of newer creators are on this project and I'm and I want them to understand and ask for better and fair page rates and that's oh, why no basically know their value yeah. Because they're spending, like, in any creator, if you're starting out, you're going to be super excited and take any chances possible. You, as soon as you get the yes, you don't really care about how much work and effort and time it's going to take for you to complete your portion. Um, and, yeah, and then you're and the flip side of compensation, um, and sometimes you don't even get compensated for some mm-hmm. really bad editors running anthologies but like you're just so excited for any opportunity but that shouldn't be the standards shouldn't be that low you should like the not market but like the the collective indie comics community should be trying to like rise and and value like increase the value and you know just just to make it as healthy as possible like have that entry point for 
newer creators to, you know, earn some extra bucks and like pay, maybe pay the bill with like a short story that they did in an anthology versus them getting at least getting, pay their cable bill. You know I mean? <laughs> like at least pay that damn cable bill. Come on, something. Yeah, so that was super important to me. Um, like I said, especially with just so many newer creators that are on this project that I want them to get to learn these values early on in their creative process and creative career. So the vast majority of the, you know, half the money is going to the creators. Um, you know, it's probably going to be a little bit more than than the 49%, uh, depending on the budget, because I had so much more money for Wiggle Room. But yeah, it's like the usual stupid stuff, Kickstarter fees, credit card fees, taxes, and then yeah, printing, printing and taxes. shipping. Yeah, the other, the, all the fun stuff. You know why United States independent <laughs> creators need tax breaks more than you think? So you got to start giving it to them because they're creating new shit that's going to make you money that you yeah. capitalize on. So you need to support these type of creators with some tax breaks, I think. Well, let's talk about, if we can't get a tax break, let's talk about at least putting some money behind the amazing projects you got right now. Yeah. Like All right. Said, so, it's going to the creator's pocket. I'm not taking any cut whatsoever. And so one of the other things that I stressed like to, to the creators is, you know, to hearken back on what I mentioned, like creators should be paid for their work. I told all the creators, I don't expect anyone to start doing their stories until the Kickstarter is funded and I send over the first 50% of the, you know, of their, whatever, you know, their page rates. So, you know, I, I don't want people to work, you know, I don't want people to work and then they have to wait three months until the, the Kickstarter is completed. And then I send them the money. I was like, no, I'm like, it's fine. If you want to begin beforehand and I can, you know, share some stuff on the campaign page, but like, you should be paid for your work. And unless, you know, when I send that money over, then you can begin. And I've, I've allotted and scheduled enough time for everyone to have oh, guess, beautiful. three months for people to complete their stories. Um, you know, that's when I asked for at least three months deadline. I mean, I had the hard deadline of when the, the pages need to be received so I can send to the printer and do all that stuff. But like I said, if you are doing any – like if you're doing any type of art and you're spending time like hours upon hours, like like eight to you know, I forget what the average is, but it's like eight to twelve hours of work needs to be put into a page um, between you know writing the script and and doing the various stages of development. And if you're doing that for free with the hopes of either getting some type of back compensation percentage wise, which I've seen some anthologies or even you know issue ones or issue two is like short story or um you know longer narratives it's it's not sustainable and it's and it's not good for the artists the artists need to get if you do work you should get paid it's to me it's not that challenging but then i i see kickstarters and i you know and i'm like oh well uh, this is a pretty crappy deal for the artist and pretty good deal for the writer. Oh, yeah. I mean, and those are things that happen. Unfortunately, that's the business. So, you know, I think is, artists, yeah. artists, writers both need to get more educated on this and understand how much of a collaborative effort this is. Because I know the writer has the vision, but without the artist, with well, your vision, unless you know how to draw, be fulfilled. So, you know, yeah. be fair, be fair, folks. So check this out. 
You could branch without a reward for 10 beans, right? But for 15, we gain a digital copy. I mean, we're talking about 140 plus pages of story. And yeah. this choice is PDF or CBR for 15 beans, right? Now for $20, right up, $25, this is right up my alley. We get not just the digital, but we get the physical that you could go ahead, open that book up to the center and smell the ink. Yeah, let's get her done. So again, over 140 pages of content for $25. I mean, there are some graphic novels that sell for $24.99 that are less than 100 pages, to yeah. be honest. And the only reason it's so high is because I want... It's to- not high, though. That's what I was trying to point out. Yeah. I've seen graphic novels with less pages... Yeah, get sold for this very same price. So it's like you're offering me a lot more value, something with some weight to it, you know. <laughs> but if my kid misbehaves, I'd be like, "Yo, smack him on top of the head with it. They're gonna feel it," you know. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I would smack my head on top of the kid. She's 21. She would probably call the cops on me right now. Yeah. <laughs> for 45 dollars, look at this though. Holy yeah. crap! For 45, you get fizzies. You get fizzies. I'm not just purple eyes, but crackle volume one, two, three, and then so that way when you get them and you can keep them mint, you're getting digital copies on top of that for forty five dollars. Yeah, I mean you cannot, cannot. These are hundreds upon hundreds of pages of contents, folks, for forty five dollars. I mean, no better deal. And this is great. I love when somebody does this for retailers, folks. You. Retailers, listen up. Five copies, 75 beans right here. All right? And again, you're selling them for over 20 a pop at five copies. So do the math yourself. It's like getting two copies for free. Yeah. All right? Based on retail costs. And on top of that, like, I, as you can see right there, I've, I've been fortunate enough that Crackle has been supported by many comic shops all over the United States for a number of years. And oh, look at that. Yeah, but look at this. I mean, AF Books, Chicago Comics, Challengers, G-Mart, which I heard of. Yeah, Atomic Books, Fourth of Midnight, Cosmic Monkey Comic, Cosmic Comic Adventures, Dragon Layers, just the name of Fruit, Emerald City Comics. Wherefore, salute to you guys. Yeah, but, and I've been, like I said, very fortunate they've sold out and I've had to restock a good chunk Sold of out. Hey. Yeah. So, as you see, folks, you see comic shops. People want indie. They want these anthologies created by my man here. But if any indie people like listening, the thing that comics, so, you know, I, I message these comic shops asking if they'd, you know, have my books, but to help incentivize and help them sell the books, I make custom bookmarks. You know, now that we're visual, give me a second. I got a bookmark. So he does custom See, he offers an incentive to the shop to include with the project. How awesome is that? Yeah, so like for Crackle, I have these. That big. Hey, look at that. You know, I have these custom bookmarks. So they're larger than normal. Like I chose the largest as I could from the printer, and that's the oh, cover. Yeah. And so it's nice and, nice and pretty, and it says all the Crackle stuff. Um, you can scan and buy some more. As soon as you finish, you're like, damn, man, I need some more. You just go into that bookmark, take a picture, and you can buy some more. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea is, like, I, I give them a, a you know, decent amount. I give them, like, 15, 20 different bookmarks and Ooh. the comic shops because the idea is that, you know, they just have it on the table, and then, the cut, you know, the reader comes back two, two weeks later, like, oh, yeah, this bookmark 
that I've been using for these last two weeks on my books. Like what's up with this, this thing. And that, you know, that way that the comic shops can help sell the books better. I want to talk about this though, because you're talking about my ass being drawn into a book. Yeah. You know what I mean? So either by two different artists, it could either be William McLaughlin or it could Mm be Roberto Duque. For 100, which is the deal. I've seen this be so much higher. I mean, I could be drawn into the comic either getting killed or just walking around in the background coming to the bodega getting a bacon and cheese. You know what I mean? (laughs) So, yeah. So, if you you scroll all the way down, we had, I think, five different artists with this opportunity with various slots. Like, those got gobbled up pretty quick. Um, Even, even, uh, yeah, Williams and uh, Roberto's. I uh, see this, uh, Steven Doria, too. Wepa. Yeah, yo, you're murdering it. But yeah. you even already sold out on one, so these things are hot. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we tried budgeting it, so, I mean, you get the book. So you get the $25 book, so it's really only 75 bucks to be drawn into a couple panels of a story. And like I always say... In the worst case scenario, you don't like how you were drawn. It was only seventy five bucks, and you still get the book. Oh, Al, I think you're muted on my end. Oh, let me see. Oh, I'm sorry, I lowered it. <laughs> All I'm saying is, because you imagine paying that amount of money, you know, to get paid murdered maybe in three pages, it's well worth it. Even if you don't like it. It's brag. Yeah. And it's bragging the- rights. I mean, I would love to be with some of my crusaders. Yeah, did you see I'm going to get killed on page five? <laughs> <laughs> Just rip off the page and put it on your fridge. Be like, look. look. Oh, I, I, no, I would never, ever disrespect the comic in such a way. <laughs> Even when I did this desk back here that I did some yeah. comic art on it, I was praying to the comic god, please don't punish me for chopping this up. <laughs> But yeah, we try to give as much as possible. You know, like as we're creators, we just want to see. And we, you know, I've backed over a hundred Kickstarters. So like most, the vast majority of, I think one of them, one or two of them were comic books. But that's because those comic book people decided to do a regular book. So oh, okay. So it was, um, yeah, I'm always supporting, and so I'm just, I'm what I want to see, what I, you know, what I back, and where I throw my money at, and the stories I want to see, and the, the perks I want to see. I love it. I, and I want to show us just one more time before I ask the next question. Yep. You know, we're getting on to the time. But, folks, check it out, folks. Right? This is what you got to do. I need you guys to show the love hardcore. All right? Right now, he has 15 days to go. Half a month. Not pill. All right? Half a month. He has that one-third of the goal as of right now, kind of. All right? So let's please start th- making it rain. Yeah. All right. Don't, don't, don't make Phil start doing videos on stripper poles to make it rain. I mean, that might be coming this weekend, you know, so you can <laughs> make the next go. I only play it. But, but I'm just saying, you know, support indie. I mean, you got to listen to this. There's a story about having 73 minutes to live, your eyes turn purple, and you have 33 creators. You heard me? 33 creators inviting you into this world. I mean, that's amazing. You're going to have so many different views and perspectives and beautiful art and writing and this one amazing anthology that's over 140 pages. You understand me? Over 140 pages. Wonderful. I mean, this is something you read on the plane. 
You know, you're on the beach. You know, or maybe I'm on the beach because I want you to get the sand and the sun on it and ruin the colors. You know, protect this book. It's going to be worth a lot of money one day because Phil is killing it. So, Phil, with that, yep. you know, this is your fourth Kickstarter, right? Third Kickstarter, third, fourth third. anthology. Yeah. There you go, fourth anthology. So talk about just a piece of advice that you could give any up-and-coming creators, you know, like when you stepped in. Like what, what should they be doing, following, especially if they want to have a crowdfunding project like yours? Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously in your budget, like you kind of see how I did the, the full budget where I thought of all the ancillary fees, but I gave myself wiggle room because during the last Kickstarter um, that I had, I, that wiggle room helped because my printer didn't have print shortages that, that much. Their prices increased. I know friends had issues with that, but the shipping prices increased internationally. Uh, and especially I had f- one go to New Zealand and three go to Australia. And so all those places are basically cut off shipping wise. Uh, I was able to, unless you want to pay express. So like the, the base rates are, have been shut off since last September. Oh, wow. Uh, whatever, whatever that was. Or no, maybe it's just pre, maybe it's only been less than maybe it's been a little over six months, but yeah. So, so then I like, that's where some of the money came in, especially international shipping. Uh, but one of the things I'll give you a good hit, good tip. If I knew, you know, if you made it this far, I'll give you one of my good tips. Um, regardless if you're doing crowdfunding or if you're just, you know, if a debut book out, one thing that I always find helpful is to have a doc with pre-made, social media posts. So Twitter, mm. you know, like have a section for Twitter because of the character count limit. And then I have one that just is a section for Instagram and, and Facebook. And just super easy. Cause when you're not feeling, you know, if you're not feeling up to it, you can just copy and paste and post it. Um, and it's always helpful too, with these larger anthologies, then you can share it with your creative teams and say the same thing. Like, you know, I trust you. If you want to post, I trust your, you're not going to please share. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but, or, you know, if you, if you do want to post, but you don't know the right verbiage type of thing, or you, you can Here just it goes. these it's things. A template. Yeah. Oh man, I do the same thing for my own shit sometimes. Like I have, uh, how a template, if you will. And then yeah. you, know, you can add in the rest of your own verbiage. If you don't want it to sound so generic and that's that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But it helps with our time management. That. And on the flip side too, like I always like I'm mostly on Twitter because of the easiness of sh- of the visuals and the the link sharing. But I always schedule my posts like in the future. So like when I'm, you know, I I do we have to, I always collaborate with a large amount of international creators. Um, so you know they might be. When I'm asleep, they might be waking up or like being in the middle of their day. So I always schedule posts for the middle of the night and I always have most of those posts are incentives for digital because if you're on the other side of the globe, as I was complaining about, international shipping sucks. And, and I, you know, you're going to get more international people getting digital. So I always try to schedule tweets in the middle of the night that are digital focused, like, you know, 15 bucks. This is what all you get. You get all these stories from all these creators and all these pages, or I just have 
sometimes I have posts that just straight up say international shipping sucks. Here's the digital. <laughs> but it, 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 don't I, mess around. Too funny. I love it. But you heard, folks. There you go. Advice, because I mean, homie's been killing it on Kickstarter, and he got this amazing project right now. I'm gonna show you one more time where you gotta go. Yeah. Kickstarter.com projects for Myra. That's M A I R A slash Purple Eyes Volume One. Just look up Purple Eyes Volume One anywhere on Google. Yeah. You know what I mean, make it all fancy. Um, and, and please support this because again, it's not just Phil, yo. It's 33 different creators. Yeah, you can't get anything better than this, especially in the form of anthology. It's you know, it's humor, it's heartache, it's humility. Eighteen stories, thirty-three creators, seventy-three minutes to live. What would you do? Hey, I love it. So, and of course, I need you to follow Big Phil on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Philip Myra. That's P H I double L I M P M A I R A. Philip Myra. All right, and then of course, um, check out the website. Same thing. His name. PhilipMyra.com. That's two hours of Philip. All right. Check it out. You're going to love it. Please support. Show the love. Tell them Mega sent you because yeah. Purple Eyes is the business. 15 days to go. Let's get her funded, folks. We got Show it. Love. Show love. Especially to amazing anthologies. I'm a big fan of, of this. So thank you, Phil, for doing what you do. Flowers time. Thank you. Thank you. As a comic book fan, for just you being brave and bold to do what you do share those stories, and even the way that you do it, where you're not just, you know, sharing stories, but you're blessing other creators with opportunity. You're doing yeah. God's work, my brother, in this field. So, good on you. I wish you nothing but success and love and happiness through this because you do something very special. So, you know, for real, to the king of anthologies, yo, that's you. You're going to be murdering in this on Kickstarter. And with that, folks, you know what to do. Check out, not just Big Phil Myra over here. You got to check out Al Mega, the real Al Mega everywhere. Comic Crusaders, Undercover Capes, Extended Family. You know what to do, all right? And with that, thank you for joining me on this happy holiday. A salute to all our fallen soldiers. Much love and thank you for everything, everything for real that you guys uh, sacrificed and have done. May may you guys be blessed. And uh, just thank you, everybody, for just tuning in and listening on this uh, holiday. Phil, you rule. Hasta la próxima. Wepa! Later. Thank you for listening to the Comic Crusaders podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCapes.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today. 